to another episode of Doublers Podcast. My lovely guest here today is Ryan Walsh. Ryan is an oboist and a wine and beer expert, um, currently based in Pittsburgh, but we met in New York City because Ryan lived here for quite a long time. Um, so welcome, Ryan. Thanks so much for joining us here. Um, so to start off, could you give us a brief introduction of kind of where you're at right now? Um and just sort of your current, your current career sitch. Okay. Um, hi everyone. Uh, as, as Aaron mentioned, I am Ryan. Um, I am reporting from my kitchen, Pittsburgh. I just moved here in June before that. Um, as she mentioned, I was living in New York for 17 years. I moved there for school, um, and stayed for music. I'm originally from Washington state. Um, Let's see. I moved to Pittsburgh because uh, my partner is an emergency room, a pediatric emergency room doctor, and uh, he got a fellowship here at uh, the Children's Hospital here in Pittsburgh. Um, So we moved uh, right after kind of the big COVID crisis in New York City. uh, We left. Um, I'm an oboist and English horn player. I, <laughs> it was so much easier the first time. <laughs> We're totally on take two right now. Just full disclosure. We're doing a great job today. Um, <laughs> yeah. So before COVID, um, I was on the national Broadway tour of Les Mis and we closed down, uh, on March 13th. It was Friday the 13th. We were in Durham, North Carolina. Um, I'm also the an adjunct professor of oboe at Montclair State University in New Jersey, where I teach oboe, coach chamber music, teach a woodwind practicum, play in the faculty wooden quintet. And then um, as of recently, um, I'm pretty much full-time doing uh, wine tastings, virtual wine tastings. Sometimes beer, sometimes liquor, but like 99% of the time have wine tastings. Delicious. And yeah, it's, it's been a journey, but it's been really fun. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So let's start a little further back. So when you were in school, so this is a question that, you know, I know that I think of when I hear about musicians doing other sorts of jobs. Um, what did you study mm-hmm. in school? Do you, are your degrees in music? Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of them are in music. I went to Manus College of Music, uh, total, you know, performance degree. I, I did um, some uh, university in Washington State before I transferred to Manus. So I had done uh, some non-music classes there. But um, yeah, my education was like 99% music. Right, right. <laughs> and so your master's is in performance, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. And um, actually, b- between my degrees, um, I took a year off and just kind of lived in New York City, worked in a restaurant. Um, and the restaurant uh, had a very extensive wine list because the owner's wife is a sommelier and she was actually a wine educator. And so they gave us the opportunity to become certified um, wine experts under her tutelage. Um, and so we took classes, uh, a couple times a week with her, uh, learned the whole tasting process, learned all about wine from all over the world. 
and then we took the tests at uh, at the end of the class and got certified. That's awesome. So is that the certification that you have now that you're using in your tasting mm-hmm. activity? That's very cool. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. It was a, a fun process. Uh, she's a great teacher, and um, I learned a lot. And then over the last um, several years, I've been doing more self-study, you know, just to make sure I'm not spouting lies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nothing worse than spouting lies about wine. <laughs> That's awesome. So it sounds like in between undergrad and grad school is where you started down this path of being interested in wine and, and gaining that knowledge. And um, when you were, obviously now it sounds like the balance has shifted more towards more tastings, more, you know, leaning into that side. The word pivot mm-hmm. isn't my favorite, but leaning into that piece of what you were already doing anyway, um, and something that you were already interested in. Um, how has that balance sort of shifted over the last, over the period of time between when you first were certified and you were first discovering this interest? Um, how has that kind of played Mm -hmm. out over the last maybe 10 years or so? Um, well, you know, after I got the certification, um, I, I pretty much only used it in the restaurant. Um, you know, while I was helping people with wine, learning about wine. But then uh, I left the restaurant industry and I didn't use it again for quite a while. Mm -hmm. But then I started doing tastings um, just kind of as a side gig. Uh, There's a company in New York uh, called We at the time, and they changed their name to Confetti recently. But um, they kind of organize events for whomever would like to do them. And so their clients are like big ad agencies, LinkedIn, Facebook, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they'll um, organize events for them. And so I partnered with them and started doing beer tastings and liquor tastings and then uh, started doing wine tastings with them as well. But it wasn't until, you know, COVID hit that um, I really kind of leaned into it pretty heavily uh, just because, like all other musicians right now, we were just had the rug pulled out from under us. And it was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Right. Like, yeah, I mean, you were out you on know, a tour. Uh, I mean, that was expected. <laughs> you were booked through like July or something, right? Uh, we had dates out to 2023. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yeah, Holy they're shit. hoping that maybe they'll start it again next fall. Yeah. But yeah, but that's yeah, like, no, it was that's huge. yeah, I mean, that's like some job security, right? right? There. And Which is we don't get very often, so when you finally no. like reach the holy grail, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, um, so like everyone else, I was like in a panic, I was like, okay, what are my usable skills? I was like, I could do a coding boot camp or something, um, but that's a huge investment and no guarantee that I'm gonna love it. Um, I worked in events for a long time, so I can do flowers and and can design a wedding or a corporate event. But again, COVID killed that industry. Right. And, you know, at the time I was like, okay, well, I, I do wine tastings, but, but again, you need to be in person to do that. And then uh, I was talking to my partner's sister and and she was like, you should really... Like, we could do something virtually. You have this knowledge. Why don't you do it? And then we were kind of like, oh, well, 
that could actually be a cool thing. We did one and she was like, you have to turn this into something. So that's awesome. Then, then I started doing it virtually and, uh, have done several, like I have a company, I have a website, but my main thing lately has been, um, this company in California called in good taste. Mm -hmm. Um, they produce their own wines and they were in kind of, uh, everywhere. Uh, they had been marketing to hotels and airports, like small bottles of boutique wine, but again, COVID pivot or whatever word you choose, they did direct to consumer. And now they're doing like 450 virtual tastings a week. Wow. And I'm one of like 42 tasters on their roster. It's crazy. That's amazing. Last week I did, I did nine tastings in five days. That's a lot. Yeah. It was crazy. It was fun though. Yeah. So it sounds like... Oh, that was a rambling answer. I'm so no, sorry. No, no, I loved it. I <laughs> love it. Um, so it sounds like you have a balance of you're both working for someone and also running your own business. And so you don't have to worry. Because, you know, having I've had my own businesses doing different things. I designed websites for a while, right. things like that. And sometimes it, it takes a while to get it off the ground. And that can be a difficult period if, you like, if you're starting the business because you, you need the income. Um, you know, that sort of period where it's not necessarily paying off can be challenging. So that absolutely it's really awesome to have that balance of you can build up your own clientele, but you also have this resource of this other place that has sort of 450 yeah. tastings a week is like, <laughs> that's hard to get that it's many bookings. Yeah. So yeah. that's very, cool. I'm in a, a really lucky position. Yeah. That's great that you were able to, to pull those two pieces together. That's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your experience in the events world. That also sounds interesting. Yeah. So when I was in, I guess I was in grad school. Um, my next door neighbor, like I had, I had left the restaurant industry. I was freelancing. I met my next door neighbor, um, worked in events, uh, worked for a big floral design company. And one day I came over and was like, Hey, I know that this may be a little bit out of your wheelhouse, but, um, we're processing 20,000 roses for a wedding and we need just extra people to come help process them. Would you, can you do it? It's like 20 bucks of an hour. And I was like, yes, <laughs> sure. Sounds fun. Let's go. And so I started doing that a little bit and then started doing more. Um, I started actually making the arrangements, started going out on events as part of the production team. And then, um, my, my ex, um, and I started, well, he had started a business, had just started it. And then, uh, I helped him scale it up uh, and, and we scaled it up to a really kind of a big deal business for, for a while. I mean, we, we were the, the main, uh, I guess florist, like event florist for Morgan Stanley, Chase Bank, um, New York Stock Exchange. And we did all their events. Wow. Like Morgan Stanley nationwide, Chase Bank in New York City, New York Stock Exchange. I mean, it was, we did the, the Maybelline 100th anniversary party oh and God. built like a, yeah, it was really fun anyway. Wow. But it was really fun to, 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 to do something so other to what I had been training for, mm-hmm. for so long. And then to, to like gain that skill, gain that experience and just be, I, it's a really interesting outlet for creativity. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure there's yeah. also some parallels. I mean, so much of performance is about presentation. Um, exactly. And I'm sure you were able to, did you find that you were able to pull in some of your, 
musical skills? I mean, were, did anything translate across those two pursuits that you? Um, yeah, I mean, like the as musicians, we're so trained to be very attentive to detail. So, like, we notice minute changes in pitch or or dynamics or tone, timbre, and that actually uh, is very helpful in in floral arranging or in putting putting an event together. Being able to notice when things aren't just right the way they should be, right? Um, and I found that that was that was something that really helped me uh, get a lot of experience really quickly. Because I was able to do these, these min- make these minute adjustments uh, just just right off the bat. Yeah. So. Well, especially as a reed maker, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> that too. I feel like the dexterity oh of the average oboist is way above average, and especially compared to say like a French horn player. But I mean, yeah, like we're sitting there making reeds. We're taking off um, hundredths of a millimeter thickness cane right yeah it's stupid i I, (laughs) I don't know why i do what i do i don't know how you guys do it i'm a masochist or something i know i'm like struggling through oiling my horn once every three weeks (laughs) (laughs) i bought one mouthpiece 10 years ago and it still works oh my gosh (laughs) i can't even imagine like what i would do with all like uh, yeah, I'd have so much more time to practice. Right. <laughs> but hey, almost all of the double reed players that I know who spend that amount of time on reeds, they've got like a reed show or like a reed. You know, I watch plenty of television, but I'm not doing anything constructive. So <laughs> y'all got to work. Yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. So, you know, obviously right now with COVID being what it is, um, mm-hmm these unprecedented times, as they say on the internets, um, it, it probably looks a little bit different, but say back in the regular times, um, how did you find, um, that balance? How did you balance, uh, performing and gigs with these other pursuits? Like how did you structure your days, your weeks, your months? Um, however that generally looked like, what was that structure like for you? And and did it fluctuate a lot over time? Um, it did fluctuate a lot over time, but I, I found really, I found that it that it uh, it lent itself really easily to balance, um, just because uh, for some reason the way the way all of the uh, tastings and and gigs fell, they just kind of fell into the calendar and worked themselves out. I was really lucky, but um, I mean, there, you know, as a as a freelance musician, there are times when you don't have a lot of gigs. I mean, when was it last o- two Octobers ago? Um, I, I had like three gigs and I was like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting, I think 10, 10 or 12 beer tastings that I did that completely, um, counterbalanced my lack of gigs. So that's awesome. But, um, it, <sighs> It was easy because most, uh, anytime I had like a double booking or something like same day gig and tasting, um, the tastings were generally earlier, like happy hour times. Mm. So then I could just go after the tasting to a concert. Yeah. And you were full of good, good food and good wine, which I'm sure helps. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That's the best way to start a gig. (laughs) 
after having been to happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no, I I I often depending on on the group that I'm with and um the situation, I have been known to get absolutely buzzed, verging on like <laughs> totally drunk with um the people <laughs> I'm tasting with and I, I, ha- I always have to be cognizant of that when I'm going into it. I'm like, okay, what's this going to be like? Is it going to be one of those or is it going to be? <laughs> and luckily with um, the company in California, I don't actually have to drink the wines because it's just, they have 24 wines. I know which kit we're doing. I know the script. And so I just taste them through. Oh, yeah. But um, my own tastings, I curate the list and then I curate the pairings. And so I taste along and I end up getting... Um, let's say I couldn't play a gig. After right. <laughs> you're just really invested in your process and invested in Absolutely. the art that you're presenting to others, which is important. You really Absolutely. need to invest in your art. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, so if, so say there was someone out there who is jealous of your life of wine and cheese as a, a career yeah. occupation. Um, do you have any advice for someone who might be interested in entering this field? Absolutely. Um, you can go out and um, take a take a wine course. I mean, WSET, um, they have four different levels. And um, there are other groups out there as well, um, including like the Master Sommelier thing. If you've ever seen the movie Somme, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that. I mean, that's like super, super high level yeah. stuff. But but I mean, you can even just take like an introductory in, introductory wine tasting class and they'll teach you the basics and, and stuff. And also um, just taste, taste a lot of different wine. You know, as you taste more, watch a video online about how to how to effectively taste wine, how to do it, quote unquote, correctly. And then um, just start tasting wine and develop your palate. The only way to 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 get better is I mean, it's like like with music you have to practice in order to get better. And you, the same thing with wine tasting, like you have to practice and develop your palate so that you can um, differentiate between different flavors and aromas. All that fun stuff. Twist my All arm. Stuff. Sign me up. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, we did have a question from, from some folks on Instagram. We, we answered one of the questions, which was how did you first break into the wine world? So it sounds like that, that restaurant job, when you were doing your gap year between your bachelor's and your master's is really the the first stepping stone. It was the gateway drug into this world for you. Yeah. I mean, that was the the catalyst for that allowed me to eventually turn into like more of a career. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I mentioned I'm from Washington state originally, and I grew up in the Columbia Valley, which is a big wine region. Um, a couple years ago, they were, uh, one of their wines was rated like the best in the world. So it's like, I mean, within my 50 miles of my, my dad's house, there, there are like 250 wineries. So yeah, I moved to New York when I was 20 and, um, and obviously wasn't drinking before that, but then would go back. And whenever I would go back at holidays, I'd, I'd start to get into the wines there. And then luckily the, the gap year, uh, I was able to get the education and, and that, that was it. That was the thing that kind of solidified yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It was like, wow, this is really fun. This is really cool. Yeah. 
Um, was your certification a requirement for when you started doing tastings for other companies? Was that something that was like a barrier to entry that needed to exist or, or is there more flexibility in that world? There's more flexibility in that world because you don't necessarily need to be um, certified in anything in order to be a good wine taster. And, um, you know, the whole aspect or the whole act of wine tasting is totally subjective mm -hmm. because everybody has a different set of taste buds, different nose. So everybody's going to have a slightly different experience and sometimes a very different experience with um, each of these wines. And um, I know that there are a lot of a lot of the 42 tasters um, at In Good Taste are actually just like wine enthusiasts and, and, and are really good at it. They're good at wine. Um, you know, in, in order to do these, you also have to have like a, a performance component. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to be comfortable in front of, of a crowd and, and whatever. So yeah, there are, I think, let's see, there's, uh, so they brought 10 of us on in, in the same week. They, they called us their first uh, cohort. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the people in my cohort is uh, an architect. And so he actually zoomed in from his desk at the, at the architecture firm. And uh, he just does it for fun on the side. Sweet. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Why not? If you're into it. Um, yeah. But um, it, it was definitely helpful for me uh, because I think, you know, having that base knowledge that, that you get in the, in the certification allows you to be a little bit more curious uh, about what you're tasting and about what you want to taste. Right. Because so. you have some of that background knowledge that can help inform where you're going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I know for myself pretty much, I know what, I know the word jammy at this point, <laughs> but <other than> that, <laughs> like good wine or bad wine. Got it. <laughs> you should take, we should do a wine tasting. We should. That would be fun. I'm um, actually, you know, this whole concept, I had never, you know, I, I knew this sort of existed, but, um, mm -hmm. at my work, um, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm going to a wine party in like two weeks. That's being hosted by someone who's working as a taster by one of my, um, one of my coworkers wives is running this tasting as a holiday party. So cool. Yeah. And my company's buying me some wine. And I was like, obviously I'm showing up for this, <laughs> but like it's, it's really gained traction. I think, especially now because you can't go somewhere and, and it's a really enjoyable mm -hmm. thing to share you know, I'm sure, d does your company do like team building sorts of corporate events, that set type of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, for the company in California, and actually the company Confetti in New York, mm -hmm. um, all of the tastings I do for them, or I'd say 98% are, are corporate team building things. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll have, we'll have anywhere from six to, to 40 people. I mean, I, I just um mentioned i think before we started recording that i got a notification that yeah right uh that i got a notification that i have a tasting tomorrow for what it was 120 people yeah i think yeah, you said 120 people 240 and then split into two groups yeah so that's a lot and it's it's a it's a corporate team building thing um they're having a thing before it and then they're coming in to uh the break off room that i'm in and we're going to taste some wine. Eight wines, actually. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Sign me up. Oh, man. Yeah. It's been fun. I mean, the other 
like all the ones that I do for for my own business, mm-hmm. they're all um uh n- non-corporate. Yeah. So book clubs, birthday parties, family gatherings, friends who miss each other type of thing. And uh it's it's really popular. People, you know, everybody's drinking right now anyway because everything <laughs> has been sucking for a while. Mm-hmm. So everybody's drinking and it's a lot more fun to drink with purpose because you're learning something and you're you're you know solidifying that bond with whomever you're you're there with right i mean liquor stores were deemed essential in all this so absolutely (laughs) so there you have it kids um oh and before i forget our other question was um uh one of the folks on instagram wanted to know what your favorite porter is Okay. Uh, that's a good question. Um, thanks, Instagram. Um, my, my favorite porter uh, is actually from the Russian River Brewing Company. Um, it's delicious. Very coffee. Very. It's like, you know, a lot of porters can be very high alcohol content. This one's not super high. So you don't need to be trashed off of one. You can have two. Um, but uh Last night, this is actually on my table because I haven't cleaned up because I'm redoing my kitchen. But I drank this last night, which is actually my favorite stout. It is the Left Hand Brewing Company Nitro Milk Stout. Absolutely delicious. Very smooth. Mm. If you like Guinness, you'll like it. Oh, I miss Guinness so much. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Listen, someday they'll come up with it. There's enough gluten-free people in Ireland. They've got to work it out at some point. So. That's where I got it Seriously. from. The celiac runs in the Irish uh, Irish ancestry. So I have faith that at some point they'll work it out for me. Someday your compatriots right? will. <laughs> that sounds delicious and sounds just lovely. Mm. Um, cool. So so I know we, we, we kind of glossed over, over your teaching position, but can you tell us a little bit more yeah. about what you're doing right now with teaching and, and how maybe some of that experience has parlayed into your other... Uh, experience in events and and in this tastings business? I, I found that they've all just kind of worked together really seamlessly. Like the performative aspect of it um, has allowed me to effectively convey, you know, whatever I need to teach, whether it be wine or, or oboe. Um, but it's also helpful when you're talking to a client. So in events, it was really helpful with uh, cu- customer relations like being able to put on that performer's charm or whatever. <laughs> and I'm sure you know all about that. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, I don't know, again, the attention to detail has been very helpful in not only the event industry, but in the in the tasting part of it, just because being able to, to perceive small nuances in in flavor or aroma or texture or something and i think it's it's just uh it's just practicing that that ability to to perceive things that we do as as musicians uh again was helpful in all of that yeah for sure and being able to share that with others i'm sure too Mm -hmm. yeah like articulating what those things are exactly yeah yeah, you know, it's interesting, um, as I've worked in industries outside of music, I've really come to realize how much I take for granted that 
most musicians that you talk to on a daily basis do. They have an ability to talk about things in such minute detail and articulate what those things are. And those skills, Mm -hmm. the muggles don't always know how to do that. (laughs) So No, they don't. And sometimes they find it really frustrating. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever gotten that, but they're just like, why are you so focused? Like, I don't know about you, but I need to know details about things. So like, we'll be going somewhere and, and I'll be like, okay, where are we going? Oh, you know, we're going to this place. Okay. But like, where can you, and I just like keep digging until I've gotten all of the information I need. And, and I think that, I don't know, some people don't get that or care for it much. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like my support tickets that I do at work, I'm like so fastidious with like showing people exactly Mm -hmm. like, it's so hard for me to be even remotely vague. Because right. <laughs> I'm just like, these are all the exact directions, and here's a screenshot, and this is what it looks like, and all that stuff. Because, yeah, I mean, right. we get used to that when we're, especially if we're, like, in lessons or something like that. Or even if you're coaching, I think you mentioned coaching ensembles at your mm-hmm. teaching job. I mean, you can't just be like, I don't even know how to say something vague, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> you can't just give some, like, make it better. What does that right. mean? In the in the middle, you know, just make it more interesting. Right, right. And it's like, right. what, what does that mean? Can you can you expand on that? But yeah, that's that's very cool. Well, thanks so much for for sitting down with me and and chatting about all these fun things. I mean, I think we've uh, I think we've gotten into some cool stuff. I definitely know a little bit more about the wine tasting world than I did half an hour ago. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. It was my pleasure being here. But yeah. Also, it's it's really fun to chat with you always. So. <laughs> it's, I love you.